Hello, stand-up fans. Marlon Wayans is an actor, comedian, writer, and producer. Those acting credits include In Living Color, Requiem for a Dream, The Wayans Bros, The Lady Killers, White Chicks, On the Rocks, and Respect. The stand-up credits are also beginning to pile up. His first special was 2018's Wokish on Netflix. In the last year, he released his second special, You Know What It Is, on HBO Max, as well as Marlon Wayans Presents the Headliners, which showcases his openers from the last decade. And he's got a new hour that he is presenting across the country through the Microphone Fiend Tour. That's here in Austin at the Parish tonight, June 21st, and tomorrow, June 22nd, in Houston on Friday at the Bayou Music Center, and in San Antonio at the Aztec Theater on Saturday night. Go to MarlonWayansOfficial.com for tickets and more info. Marlon, thank you for the time. How you doing today? I'm good. Just speaking to you straight from the bed. What's up? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for that. You're in the middle of a, uh, I guess it's a Texas four-step, technically. You were in Dallas this weekend. You're in Austin for the next couple of nights. You're going to yeah, be in Houston, then in San I'm Antonio the, this weekend. I'm at the parish uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday at the parish. And then uh, I played Dallas. I was at the Majestic. And then I'm going to be in San Antonio. I don't know what theater I'm playing there. And I'm playing Houston. And I don't know what theater I'm playing there. But link in the bio on my Instagram. Come out. Funny show. It's a really funny show. I'm proud of it. That's right. In Houston, it's going to be at the Bayou. It's the Aztec in San Antonio. And the parish here in Austin isn't a traditional stand-up venue. But I saw Aziz Ansari and Sam Morell there a few years ago, and it's more of a bar setup than anything else, and it's suited for live music normally, but it was really good as a stand-up venue. For you as a guy who has been doing this for more than 10 years now, your most recent stand-up special is actually done outdoor, but you've uh, participated at a lot of venues in between, including the historic Majestic Theater in Dallas a couple days ago. Do you have a favorite place to perform stand-up at or a favorite type of venue? You know, it's funny with comedy, you learn this. Give me a microphone, a light, hmm. a stool, and some drunk people. I don't care how many. <laughs> Not overly drunk, just, you know, some drinks and, and, and some quiet, some listeners, and I'm going to make them laugh. doesn't matter. I performed during COVID. I remember I, I was performing all outdoor venues, sometimes to be under a freeway. Sometimes it was winter time, like, and you just find that when people want to laugh, they're going to laugh. So it doesn't matter. And you can be funny absolutely anywhere. As long as people are listening, you can make them laugh. Comedy is the great equalizer and it's the great uniter too. And as somebody who has a longtime fan of stand up, I was interested in just uh, delving a little bit more into your background as somebody in stand up. And this may be a surprise to a lot of people like it was to me, but you've only been at this for 10 years. Despite that, you have a couple of really funny stand up specials. Uh, your two most recent things are on HBO Max, including Marlon Wayans Presents the Headliners, which involves uh, some of your openers over the last decade. And one of the things I love about stand-up is that there are different styles. There's political stand-up, there's observational stand-up, there's, per- there's drawing from personal experiences, but the best stand-up tends to involve a level of vulnerability. And that is certainly there with your stand-up. Did you realize the therapeutic benefits of it when you started getting into things about a decade ago and what else do you love about stand-up that is unique even from the most fulfilling movie or tv role um well i i i think the it's layers of an onion right so my first 
special wokeish I did after my first eight or seven years of doing stand-up. And I was like, every two years I want to drop a stand-up special because I, I, I don't want to be the one of these guys that hoard material. I want to write it because I feel it and I want to perform it and get it up and as good as I can get it. And then I want to do a show uh, special and retire it. And I want to look back over the course of my stand-up career and see my evolution as an artist. So instead of waiting and doing one special every five years, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. Some years I'm gonna drop two specials because I'm not a guy that sits on material. This is what I feel and I just wanna talk about it and do it. And so my first special was like learning to talk about the world first before I learned to talk about me and the things. So it was the layers of an onion. Then my second special, I picked up with my first special let off, left off and I, I got even more personal. And now um, this third one I'm working on right now is kind of spiritual, but extremely personal, but has nothing to do with me. And it's just, I, I, I just find like I'm getting better. I think the best standup does have vulnerability because it has truth and it has healing involved, you know? Um, and, and I think if you can make fun of yourself, that is therapeutic. Your brother Damon, I think, is one of the all-time underrated stand-up comedians. There was a special that he did on HBO in the 90s that I would put up there with Killing Him Softly or some of the best stuff that Chris Rock did during that time. But for whatever reason, it has not received quite as much love. Having said that, though, considering that uh, he is your brother, is he somebody that you would turn to to ask for advice throughout this process? Um, You know, I always turn to my brothers and I ask them vice but my brothers are funny because they're like you just the experience will teach you hmm. there's certain things i can't teach you. you the experience will teach you and after you have the experience we can talk about it i can look at your set and go you can talk about that and this you can be more personal ah you're setting it up too much go get the joke don't don't protect it so much go for it go for the gut like they'll give me advice like that but you know being able to watch their them trailblaze, I see their footprints. And it's about just following and doing the work and then veering off and creating my own footprints, you know, doing it my own way. We have different, me and Damon have similar but very different styles. Even our skill set, physicality, you know, he's my favorite comedian of all time. I love Richard Pryor. I love Eddie Murphy. Love Chappelle. Love Rock. Damon's my favorite. He does it all. You are uh, you're also close with Eddie Murphy. You've talked about that. It was, uh, I think, a bit at the start of uh, your most recent stand-up special as well. What will it take to get Eddie Murphy back on a stage? Because he was uh, en route to becoming one of the all-time greats before he decided to uh, give it up altogether to f uh, pursue acting full-time. You know, I don't know, man. I think one day, you know, Eddie's done a lot. You know what I mean? He's, he's been so successful. Nobody rocked like he rocked at 20 years old. You know, the man, he was rocking for 35 years of superstardom. Dudes do what he wants. I think when he feels like he wants to do it, he's gonna do it and he'll pick up exactly where he left off, which is brilliant. He's a brilliant dude, he's always been. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that, you know, in terms of a movie star, he's been our biggest movie star. Just, you know, he is the special effect. So I, I just love, I love Eddie Murphy, man. And I, I, I can't wait. If he does come back, I want to open for him. 
yeah, that would be uh, pretty cool for sure. And as far as Richard Pryor is concerned, he's on a lot of people's stand-up Mount Rushmore's, and understandably so. I read in researching for this conversation that you're actually slated to play Richard in a new biopic that's being produced by your friend Chris Rock, who had some pretty flattering things to say about you in the tryout that you did for this part. He said, Marlon Wayans, he did a screen test, and it was just unbelievable. It's not just doing the comedy of Richard Pryor. He captures the vulnerability of Richard Pryor, too. What was the key for you and what is going to be the key for you in capturing the vulnerability of Richard Pryor? Well, that project isn't happening anymore. It was oh, going to happen. I'm so, sorry. Um, but I have another project um, where I'm slated to play Richard Pryor. It's over at uh, um, a streamer and we're developing it. And it, it It's about Richard Pryor and a few other comedians, great comedians. And, um, you know, um, th that is over. We're developing it now. So I don't like to really uh, over, over talk about things until they're happening. Uh, but that that's something in development. Is there a key in capturing Pryor's vulnerability for you, though? Um, just living this truth. I think the key with Pryor is if you it's it is he's done some pretty crazy things. And I think the approach isn't to play him as crazy. I think the approach is to play him as damaged. And you play the things that led him to the dark places and you discover and explore those things so that we have empathy and sympathy for the hero of that story. Uh, because if you look at it from the outside, you can have your, you know, very judgmental opinions about prior, but the key is to, you know, go deep in to it, what hurts him. And then, uh, how brilliant he is for enduring the pain of it, uh, lashing out at others, and then finding a way to make the world smile and laugh based on his greatest pains. Hmm. My wife and I watched your film On the Rocks over the weekend, directed by Sofia Coppola, starring Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, you, of course, and Bill Murray belongs in that pantheon of people whose unofficial middle name is fucking. Guys like Eddie Murphy are on that yeah. list. Nicholas Cage. I think your yeah. brother Keenan may be on that list, although I don't yeah. know if the Keenan fucking goes. Keenan and fucking them. There you go. But I don't I don't know if the fucking goes before the Ivory or the Wayans with Keenan. Probably probably before <laughs> the Wayans. Keenan, Ivory, fucking Wayans. <laughs> there you go. I like that. So for Bill Murray, yeah. though, everybody seems to have a story who's around Bill Murray at all. You had one fleeting scene with him in the uh, movie that I'm recalling. Do you have any good Bill Murray stories from y'all's time of shooting on the rocks? Um, you know. Everybody like says like you know everybody has like um you know I've read somewhere that I forgot one of his co-stars one of them was in one about Bob said that he was a a uh, immature like something about him being like a kid like kid like um, obnoxious drunk. That was Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, he and Murray did not get along in that movie. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't see any of that. I saw a very fun, mischievous <laughs> uh, dude who really enjoyed life. And, you know, he was different. He was just like, um, he was like a curious George. 
he's like, you know, he means no harm. He's very, very silly, loving on set. Um, does he like to drink? Sure. Well, who doesn't? Um, but he's, um, you know, he's, he's a sweetheart. He'll share the drink. He, but he's a lot of fun to work with. I had a, I had a ball working with Bill. Even though I only had one scene with him, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to do because it wasn't a lot of, a lot of words, but there was a lot of subtext. That was a great movie, by the way. My, it pissed my wife off at the end because she thought that the that Rashida's character should have handled things differently. I'm like, that's one of the great things about this movie, though. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Yeah, she probably could have, uh, you know. But it, I thought it was nice that he turned out to actually be a good guy. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that, that there are good guys that exist. And I know women always want to catch somebody out there, but you know, sometimes they just make really nice guys. That's that's the uh, that's the misdirection right there. And she's being yeah. misled by her dad, who's just this uh, this braggadocious misogynist the entire time. I thought thought it worked yeah. perfectly. So another yeah. one of your projects that I don't think has started shooting just yet, but the word is out on an all star cast that you're a part of is a movie that's being written and directed by Ben Affleck that is all about Nike's pursuit of Michael Jordan back in the 1980s. Yeah. Now, you play George Raveling in the film, and for anybody who's unfamiliar, George Raveling is a great figure, not just in the history of sports, but in the history of America. First African-American coach in the ACC, first African-American head coach in the Pac-8, which is now the Pac-12, of course. And he actually provided security for Martin Luther King Jr. during his I Have a Dream speech, even got the typed speech afterwards from MLK. Uh, yes. Have you had a chance to speak with George just yet about this? I haven't had a chance to speak with George, but I did my research, watched lots of videos on George and, uh, you know, listen to a lot of audio and he has a podcast and you know a lot of stuff on youtube so i really got a chance to 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 to, to get to know him like that and um this is a really great great experience ben is a awesome director i mean just not just with the camera angles and the, you know his demeanor on set but how he communicates with his, his actors and his excitement and his notes are great and uh, you know i think it's gonna be a great movie Cool. Looking forward to that. And last question, Marlon, I hear people from time to time in this era of the quote unquote cancel culture say things like Tropic Thunder and white chicks can no longer be made in 2022. But for me, that's amusing because you're missing the point of those films. It has to do with satire. So my question for you as one of the minds and one of the faces behind the movie White Chicks is, do you think a movie like White Chicks could get made in 2022? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's needed in 2022. I think that, you know, a good joke is when you send up a, a group of people and the, the people that you're making fun of laugh the loudest. You know who love white chicks the most? White chicks. Yes. And so therefore we told a really great joke and being equal, equal opportunity offenders we everybody got some so we dished it out and we have our own formula of how we do things and you know when you're talking about when my family does stuff you're talking about years of learning the art and the science of comedy of knowing how much to to give how how much to take away when to go for the good and when to you know we we do this we tour i'm on tour every weekend 
I know how to tell a joke. I know in my head before I tell the joke, who's going to laugh and how long. I know it. It's a science to me. So, you know, I don't, everybody talking about, you know, cancel, wait, it's, it's uncancelable because it was such a great movie and people truly loved it worldwide. And so the people that's on in, on Twitter, you know, those are the bots. Those aren't real people. Those are, they're, they're forwarding a whole different agenda. They're fueling racism in this country. And they're not even Americans, the people that's doing this. And it's sad that the media falls for it. It's sad that the people fall for it. We gotta be smarter and better than that. Go to theaters and go sit, sit with people and go laugh with people. And you'll see that color and all that don't exist when you're telling good jokes. That's right. As a matter of fact, for everybody who's afraid to talk about our differences, one of the keys, and I'm, I don't want to make any assumptions about you feeling this way too, but one of the keys in getting us all together again and moving in the same direction again is, is coming together and laughing about our differences, you know? Absolutely. You got to. My, my best friends, you know, we make fun of each other, each other all the time. Whether it's for race, whether it's for size, I got black friends that's blacker than me that, you know, we snap on each other. They call me light skin, I call them dark skin. We, we go at it. But that's our friendship. And it has to, we should be able to talk about the differences. You know, growing up in the 70s was great because I grew up in um, New York City. And, you know, on my block, there was a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of white kids and a lot of Dominicans and a lot of black kids and it was just like a melting pot and we used to crack jokes about each other's mothers and crack jokes about each other's race and you know and and how loud they were and blah 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 and we all these throw but make fun of all the stereotypes and that was how we showed love to each other now let somebody from another block I don't care what color you are come to our block and start messing with any one of us, you're gonna get your ass kicked because we're all bonded as a family, even though we're different. Um, a community is family and you should be able to poke fun and make fun and enjoy and laugh because that's what I do with my family. Wayne's, we make fun of each other all the time. That's just what we do. And if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. <laughs> Love it. He is Marlon Wayans. His current stand-up tour, the Microphone Fiend Tour, is working its way through Texas right now in Austin at the Parish tonight, June 21st, and tomorrow, June 22nd. He's in San Antonio at the Aztec Theater on Saturday night. Go to MarlonWayansOfficial.com for tickets and more info. Oh, he's also in Houston in between as well. What theater am I at in Houston? The Bayou? You're, in the, you're at the Bayou Music Center in Houston on the 24th, which is Friday. All right, beautiful. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the time, Marlon. Take care. Peace, bro. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus, the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thanks to Joshua Bates for the video editing. If you have any video editing needs, hit him up on Instagram at Forger Digital. Thanks, as always, to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.